This is The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Our name is inspired by the life-changing conversation that Lydia had with Paul, recorded in Acts 16. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of women whose lives have also been impacted by the truth of the gospel. Your hosts, Tori Walker and Taryn Hayes, hope that you too will be challenged and inspired by how the gospel truths are being worked out in the lives of their guests, ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. Today, your host is Taryn Hayes. Hi and welcome again to the Lydia Project Conversations with Christian Women. I'm Taryn and today my guest is Kim Bell. Now Kim is delightfully enthusiastic about life and the gospel and she particularly loves teaching the Bible to little kids. In fact, she has a couple of decades worth of experience of teaching young ones under her belt and so there is much to be gleaned from the knowledge and enthusiasm that she shares. She also supports her husband in producing quality Bible teaching Sunday school material that they supply to churches around the world. And she'll tell us more about that too in the course of this episode. But before we chat with Kim, I would like to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor, The Wandering Bookseller. They're a traveling bookstore that specializes in catering for Christian conferences or church camps and other gatherings. But they are also an online bookstore providing quality Christian books to all of Australia at really good prices. They are kindly sponsoring our book club chats by offering our guests 15% off any of the five book club books that we'll be chatting about in the course of this year. To find out more, you can head to their website. That's wonderingbookseller.com.au, wondering with an A. And to find out more about our book club, you can scroll back to find our introduction episode, which will be a few episodes behind this one, or you can find it at bit.ly forward slash tlp hyphen book club. It's a short link, so it's bit.ly forward slash tlp hyphen book club. And now let's get to know Kim. Welcome to the Lydia Project, Kim. Thank you for having me. It's so lovely to see you again. <laughs> you know, after all this time. <laughs> I know. First question I want to ask you is how did you come to faith in Christ? When I was um, 15, I went to a new school and I met a lovely group of girls and uh, found out after a while that they are Christians. They used to go and do weird things like pray during break. It's a little bit of a mystery to me because I had grown up in a non-Christian home. So I hung around them, um, hoping to be introduced to the, to the in crowd. And um, they, they, they were very kind, lovely girls. And uh, with, with one thing and another, they took me along to one of their youth pastor's talks where I heard the gospel and I became convinced that I need to be forgiven for my sins. And it was the next morning that I found Kirsten and cornered her before school started and said, please, my friend, you've got to pray with me because I'm convicted. I've been sweating all night that I'm going to die without the Lord. Do something, help me. So um, she prayed with me and then she and the, the other girls, Renee and so on, they would try and help me with Bible study during break and that kind of thing. So that was my, my introduction, a bit of positive peer pressure. <laughs> it's a nice story for a change. <laughs> yes. And then what happened from then on? Well, um, it got to the end of school and I wasn't quite sure what to study at uni. Um, so I spoke to one or two pastors and decided that maybe going to George Woodfield for a year as a stopgap to mature and you know, decide what I want to do. 
would be a good idea. So I went to George Whitfield College, but after a year ended up staying for the full three years. And one of the joys of being at Bible College is that you have to have a student placement. And they weren't quite sure what to do with me. So obviously, because I'm a young girl, she shoved me in the Sunday school department. And, and I absolutely loved it. And in my time at college, I suddenly realized that I've always loved kids. I've loved teaching kids, spending time laughing and joking with kids. And I love the Bible and, and how much God speaks to us in the Bible. So I thought, why not focus on this as a career move, if you will? So with so I ended up going to St. Stephen's Church in Claremont in Cape Town um, after Peter Emmanuel and got involved in you know running kids camps and holiday clubs and children's clubs and training and Sunday school. And, and I just loved it. I loved every aspect of it. I loved building relationships with the kids. I loved seeing them grow. I loved um, just everything about it. So um, from there, I... Uh, Rory and I met and we got married and he was at Bible college a year or two below me or after me and uh, then when we'd been married for a year we moved to Johannesburg to Midrand and got involved in the children's work there and after nine years or so we got offered to take over the ministry here in the UK for TNT uh, teaching and training ministries where we've been for over 10 years now. Wow so that. All from the humble beginnings of a 15-year-old with some positive peer pressure to... Yes, to yes. It was, it was very interesting because we had had Emma, our first child, and um, she was about 18 months old when we were given the gift of coming to the UK on like a kind of a working holiday uh, where we met with Trevor and Talia who ran the ministry. And as we left, you know, we had coffee with them, got some more material and... We were very excited. And as we left, I said to Roy, oh, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could do this full time in the UK as a base for the networking that you can, you know, it's you've got such international networking opportunities if you're based in the UK. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? And a number of years later, when Trevor and Talia were in South Africa doing training, they took us out for a meal one night and said, we've been struggling for 18 months to find someone to take over. And we really think that you guys could do it. It was, it was, it was such an unreal thing because of course I had in mind when they, when they said it, I was so excited because I get so excited about everything. And then I had to like <laughs> just calm myself down slightly and try not to picture myself walking in Richmond Park as if I'm in a, you know, on the set of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So, so yes, it, it was, it was amazing because we had probably about four or five immediate obstacles, obvious difficult obstacles before we could even consider going over also it was in the middle of a really bad recession here in the UK so you know how do we sort our double salaries for six months and all that kind of stuff but within a week all those obstacles were gone it was incredible yeah incredible how how were they gone it was just uh, Rory was quite quite involved helping his dad with uh, his business and doing a lot of part-time work at that stage uh, part-time work at the church and we needed someone to take over from him. And we just out of the blue discussed a couple who were at church who were as thrilled as you can't believe to be able to take over from Rory. Oh. We needed to, we needed to sort out visas, because if you go in on a missionary visa at that stage, it's you've got to renew it every year or two. It was quite complicated. 
And then we managed to get my grandfather's birth certificate from Scotland. So ancestral visa was sorted out uh, oh, through wow. me. And there were, you know, a number of, a number of other things. But, uh, you know, the, the, the one nice thing about homeschooling is that we could just pack up and leave. We didn't have to worry about what area we moved into here to catch the best schools. We didn't have to sort out our kids who would be a year behind academically, these kids around here. So we could, it was just, it was just miraculous. <laughs> it was just amazing. Such an amazing so how, experience. So how soon after, um, it's Trevor and Talia? Yes. How soon after Trevor and Talia asked you guys, did you land up on the shores of the UK? Uh, probably about probably about a year uh, that was about June July then in January Rory went over for a formal interview and had a look at around a few churches that we would be part of and then and then we had to pack up everything yeah and come over so exciting really exciting and miraculous yes. but what were the difficulties what did you find particularly hard leaving home and starting a new life somewhere else um I, I think I think sitting at the airport with with the with your worldly belongings, <laughs> um, the guy that ended up taking over from Rory at the business, Francois Opikant's guys, a lovely couple. He brought us. He helped, you know, by bringing us to the airport. And he said, "Is there anything you need?" So I said, oh, "Water." So he went to get me a water, and then he said, "Are oh, you all right?" Because I was trying to hold it together because you know you can't fall apart with three little kids Emma was seven and Aiden was four and Nathan was three so uh so I said you know if if it wasn't clear that the Lord had led us here I would definitely go home with you (laughs) definitely (laughs) take me home take me home because it was really hard really hard and also you know when you when you get to the UK it was summertime which really helped yeah but then also um things like the children crying for their grandparents and there's mm. nothing you can do about it nothing because we didn't have zoom at that stage so it was just calls trying to you know organize calls and you know doing the best you can and doing a lot of just messages and, and just trying to pep up their day taking them to a new park and just trying to show them around uk and distract them so mm. i think we'd been here for about two weeks and it was emma's birthday uh, she had just turned seven then, that's right. And then, so we could take her up to London Eye and, you know, just do sorts of, just real touristy things to just distract them. So mm-hmm. it was, it was a sadness, but kids bounce back quite nicely. Mm-hmm. And it, it does make them very good with phone calls because they've had to learn to, to, uh, to stop the conversational ball, so to speak. And, and to, to ask people, you know, you know what it's like. I mean, you'll know what it's like with the, speaking to grandparents as well. Mm-hmm. But then also showing them the, all the advantages that we have here. So for school outings, I could take them if we're doing, I thought we better do some British history. And then with each little segment of British history, we could just take a train to the British Museum in central London and show them the artifacts and then leave and grab an ice cream and, you know, walk back on a train, you know, walk back to the train station and come. So it was all sorts of new experiences that we we didn't have in South Africa that we could enjoy here. That sounds incredible. And in terms of finding a homeschooling community, how did that work out for you? It was 
a bit tricky, but also great. Uh, Rory had done some research beforehand, and we found that there were, at that stage, over 50,000 homeschooled kids in England. So we knew there is there was definitely pockets of people. We just needed to find them. So I can't even remember now how I stumbled upon my first homeschool friend, Jen. And we used to meet at the park, and our kids used to play around. It was just lovely. Kew Gardens, actually. And then... She introduced me to other friends, and so slowly the homeschooling group grew. Uh, and then when the kids started needing academic, you know, more academic inclined work to start getting ready for the GCSEs that they write here at 16, uh, we found a group out here in Guildford. So living in Kingston, I would drive half an hour to Guildford every Friday for formal, you know, tutors that were things we couldn't do at home, like French and so on. And that was quite a big homeschool community, many different kids of various ages. So that was a, a lovely second set of friends that the kids could make. And so your eldest now must have finished school. Yes. So, so around here, they finish their GCSEs around 16, and then they do two years at college uh, and then go on to uni. So yes, Emma uh, is just finishing off her college year. Uh, with this whole COVID fiasco with mocks and exams and what's cancelled and not, but <laughs> she's keeping her head above water, and she's applying to to uni. We've so got she, a bit she of she wants a holiday. <laughs> yes, exactly. But she tends to get bored if she's <laughs> not busy doing stuff. But it, it turns out that we've got a bit of a polyglot family now because she is doing French and Spanish. Uh, she wants to carry on with at uni. Aiden is learning Japanese because oh, wow. he's dyslexic and Japanese suits dyslexics very well. So, oh, wow. yes, so it's been amazing. It's just, I feel so, I feel so proud, you know, when he scrawls all these little, <laughs> little characters down the line. It just looks so cool. And then Nathan is doing French as well. And then uh, between Rory and I, we also do a few odd little bits and pieces of language, so. So it's good fun, especially also because Rory's with the ministry, the Sunday school material, the kids' activity sheets are being translated into so many different languages. So then every now and again, he'll come, because oh, he works, um, his little pod is at the end of the garden where he was his little office pod. So he'll come in for tea and say, and, and just throw a couple of Italian words around or Aramaic <laughs> words around, <laughs> whatever project he's busy with at that time. So <laughs> we have a good laugh here, yeah, language-wise. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about that because I've been following your ministry over the years and seen what you've been doing and been so impressed by how quickly things are. It seems to be, seems to me to be quite quick that things are being translated into other languages. So just yeah. for our listeners benefit, can you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do and the difference between maybe TNT and mustard seeds and yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as I said, when we came over to take over TNT, the the material was already in book form, printed book form, and we we decided that it would be really good to to just give it a bit of a revamp. And then the more we thought about it, we thought actually just to it needs a, a whole reworking um, in terms of a curriculum and lessons added, lessons taken away, and so on. But at the same time, Rory had a real heart for people in other countries who don't have access to a bookshop, for example. So then he came up with the idea of let's, let's actually put the material online. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You could be a businessman taking a flight home and you can access your Sunday school material because you're teaching. You can access it on your phone. Or, you know, we've got a, 
somebody who buys stuff in Guam or this week a, a lady from uh, a mum who lives on the outskirts of Rome contacted us to say we're using your material and so the, the, the whole idea of having online material just evolved from English into Arabic kids material and then other language that other people saw this and wanted the material in their language as well so then they offered to help with the translation so it's a bit of a partnership that Rui has with various people all over the world and then the interesting with the Arabic and now with the Italian as well is that because it would obviously be ideal to have your teacher material in your language as well but you can imagine that you might start picking up problems because you've got to make sure when you back translate that they are theologically still on the same page that you are, mm. which might create difficulties. But with the right people in place, now not only do we have all the material translated into Arabic for the kids, but also the teaching material and even the website. Oh, wow. And the Italians are going that way as well. And the French are wanting to do the same thing. So that you could have your little church in the in the country in Tuscany and 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 have your have your kids material in the original language as well as your teaching material, but you could be a international church in the middle of Paris where you've got three or four nationalities in your Sunday school, and you could have got material for each kid in their own language, just a take home sheet, which is oh, wow. it's just it's it's so exciting to be part of that and to see how you know how this ministry that we came to is able to help so many other churches. It's just uh, it's such a privilege to be part of that. Wow, that just got goosebumps thinking about thinking about that and that those kids can go home and read that material in their own language. It's the one yeah. area where they might be struggling with at school and you know in in the community, and then just have that freedom yes. to read gospel truth. Yes, in a way that yes. there are no obstacles to understanding because it's there in yes. their own language. Yes, um, absolutely. Incredible. One day you guys could go and visit all these places and yeah. read your work. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be. We we had big plans at one stage to to hire a, um, a camper van and to start in Sydney and drive all the way down visiting all the churches that uh, we've been um, had the privilege to support and help. It would be so nice. That would be incredible if you yeah. uh, if you did that. Start in Brisbane and then yes. drive down. <laughs> yeah. So you clearly have people buying the material in Australia and in Europe and in the Middle mm. East. Uh, in Nepali, Nepal have wow. got now Nepalese now lately as well. Yeah, it's really weird. Do you have an American market? Uh, we do, but it's small at the moment. Yeah, kind of. Mm -hmm. Americans tend to stick to American material. It takes a, takes a yeah. while to cross the, cross the pond, as they say, or you say. Yes, <laughs> yes it's, in it's interesting because even though it's English speaking, the culture is very different to mm. what it is. Yeah. So, And how does that impact how you write your material? Do you have to take, take mm. cultural differences when you start to translate as well? Yes, but we'll find that with the translator. So, for instance, if you are trying to, you know, when it comes to the theological truths and the, and the, and the material for the teachers uh, to learn and the commentary type of thing, they, uh, that doesn't need to be adapted culturally. 
but when it comes to, for instance, games or activities or an introductory idea, Rory has found that sometimes they will say, look, I, I understand what you're trying to do here, but this doesn't translate. What about if we put this in? And then Rory will think about it. And yes, it will either be clearly that is a perfect fit or otherwise it might need some tweaking because the introductory games are trying to point you in the direction of the main aim of the story. So it's got to work. So again, for our listeners, what would be the bones or the structure, the framework of a lesson from your material? And and again, the material, as far as I'm understanding, TNT is the business and the print material, but Massachusetts is the online material? That's right, yes. Um, So... So as a teacher, when I get my material for the week, there will be the main aim at the top uh, of, of, of the lesson with the specific text. There could be a series overview if you're in the middle of something, just so that if you didn't teach last week, you, you at least know what they were taught. You can see the flow of teaching, which is helpful. Then you've got a, you'll have some commentary that will help you to come to grips with the text. There will be application for you so that you can pray about it and internalize it because if you don't understand the passage and it hasn't moved you in your walk with the Lord it it does make it I think it it would make it much harder to teach so if if you've if it's become part of you during the week of your preparation before Sunday you would be able to speak more passionately about it with a greater understanding and gentleness and so we've had quite a few comments of people that say that while preparing their material they they feel it's a little unfair because they are learning more than the kids are learning which is Mm -hmm. the kind of comment that you want well our philosophy of ministry is that you you're wanting the teachers to come away from this having grown and learned in their understanding of the lord jesus not just picking up a menu on the way into mcdonald's It's, it's not that kind of a thing where it's just a just go so after the commentary but there'll be some teaching ideas, there'll be introductory ideas for you that you could use. If, you know, we try and make sure there's a few game ideas, a few introductory ideas so that you can make it appropriate for your kids that you are teaching. Because at the end of the day, no Sunday school material is written specifically for you in your context with the ages of children that you've got. So the idea is that, is that just that you use the material to, to craft your own perfect lesson, if you will. Mm. And then at the end of that, once you've got all your, your bits and pieces that you need to get your lesson together, you'll be able to teach with confidence. And the idea is that because it's a four-year curriculum, Johnny, who starts Sunday school with, with our material at four years old, will end up getting it twice during his Sunday school lifetime. When he's young, he'll, he might have an activity sheet, maybe some stickers or coloring in with the main truth written on the activity sheet and when he's older he would get it as a bible study where you'd be sitting around and being able to answer questions and then even the questions are you know we spend time thinking about it and trying to draft questions so that it is you know one or two facts perhaps but it is more a discussion and I mean Rory even says in his training that you don't need to do the activity sheet that is just some people like doing the activity sheet but there are you could even just use it as a base for starting a discussion with the kids because that's where the rubber hits the road for them. Mm-hmm. What can they take away from this lesson that they can use this week at school? That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And so it cycles back. Is it a Bible overview? How does that, how does it work? How do you choose what you're teaching them? 
I, th I think if you come to the material new and you look at the curriculum, you'll see that you need to, as a, you know, as the as, as the leader for your Sunday school department, you need to decide where you're starting, obviously, and then slot in your Easter and your Christmas. And then for the rest, we have given a suggested curriculum so that when you've done Christmas, then you can go on to some New Testament passages as Jesus perhaps would be growing up. And then it would get to Easter. And then after Jesus has died and risen again at Easter time, then we jump to the Old Testament. Because the Bible is two-thirds Old Testament, one-third New Testament. So we try and keep that balance within the material. It's just we, we think that that flow is a little less jarring than Jesus being born. And then next minute he's, you know, well, the other way around, I suppose, when, when Jesus has died. And then you have people starting with, you know, Jesus as a toddler afterwards. It's just <laughs> we, we just try to set the flow so that it works for the four years. But, you know, people, some people at churches don't would prefer to do their own thing. So they just pick and choose as they like, which is also, you know, it's up to you is what you, what your idea is of what, what your focus is as a Sunday school teacher. Yeah. So many churches do, they try to coincide what they're teaching at Sunday school with what's being taught to the main congregation or to the adult congregation, should I say. So, you know, maybe they're doing Philippians this term. Do you have, is it easy to use your material to kind of, run alongside that do you have book based bible book based full term kind of material is that a future plan there there are book based lessons but it is it is really tricky for 5 and 6 year olds to spend 6 weeks through philippians for example yes. yeah so so we have we, we know of a number of churches who use the the TNT curriculum that we've set up as the basis for the preaching so the sunday school okay. material is setting the the teaching rota or roster and some churches will just do what they would like to do but i do honestly feel sorry for the for the sunday school teacher who has to prepare a lesson with very little material possibly for the wide age range and to have it to the teachers a week before yes. because you know if 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 you're a minister your preparation and your delivery is i think easier than taking what he has done and then trying to simplify it and bring it down to a kid's level so it's age appropriate for them so the idea of it is lovely and if the preaching does link in with a Sunday school, it is great to have everybody speaking about the same thing over the dinner table. But I do think it's very, very hard for the Sunday school teacher to be able to pull that off. It's, it's, it's really hard for them. The, you know, so you, I'm sure you've prepared lessons from scratch the way I have in the past. And it's just, it's not easy. No. <laughs> it's not easy. No. <laughs> It's very time consuming. And then if it's a once off, it's, it's quite, it's a lot of work for a once off. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm loving hearing about your ministry and I, I would very much encourage listeners to go and check out the website, which is mustardseeds.net. Net. Yeah. So you've been talking about Sunday school material and it's clearly a passion of yours. What else is big on your radar or even if there's more you want to talk about with regards to pods, tots and 
Yes, yes. I've, I've got, I suppose, two things that I'm really enjoying at the moment. The one is the Bible taught class. So you've got to bear in mind that I, I haven't had little kids for a long time. So I get my fix, I suppose, by teaching the little kids at Sunday school. So they're 18 months to three years old, and we run a little routine of, you know, some songs with instruments and some songs with just actions. And then I've got a puppet or two uh, that I brought back from South Africa, you know, a, a monkey and an elephant, these beautiful puppets that we use as well. And that we do, you know, we do a Bible song, specific Bible song before we do the lesson. And then we do a biscuit song so they can keep their mouths busy while I teach. And then we teach them very simple concepts, you know, God knows what I look like. God knows that I travel. God knows. God looks after me while I'm sleeping. And, you know, many and various creation stories and so on. And after we've done that, we do our activity and then we play trains or my favorite, row your boat. And it's been such an interesting journey for me because when I was introduced to Bible Tots before, just before I had Emma, it was by a friend at our South African church, um, Vanessa, who was telling me about this. And although I, I sympathized with her passion, I didn't really get it. So I was very supportive. But when Emma was old enough to go to the class, I suddenly had my eyes opened because it is just unbelievable how amazing they are in what they can absorb at their little age. So, so I love that. I love seeing the little lights go on in their eyes. I love the privilege of, I suppose, being able to shape their Christian worldview. Also, unexpected things that happen. Um, like a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the little boys took his, his activity sheet that was God Knows Where I Live. Uh, he took it off to his grandpa and showed his grandpa that God Knows Where I Live. And grandpa listened to him and interacted with him. And he accepted the gift from his grandson. Bearing in mind that these parents, that's this little boy's dad, his dad is not Christian. Yet the child will, has an opportunity to tell grandpa the gospel, even if it's in, in a small way. Mm. And, you know, with the, when, even when Emma was little and she did, I think, exactly the same story, actually. My dad, who wasn't a Christian, took it and framed the activity and was so proud of it and not being a Christian. And it was only probably about five or six years ago that he became a Christian. Oh, wow. But it's little seeds like that, that the kids can plant. Yeah. It has just also been another blessing of being part of that ministry. So yes, I love spending time with them. I love playing games with them. I love teasing them and pretending to eat the wooden pizza. <laughs> you know, those are the wooden <laughs> toys that they, yeah, they're just lovely, just a lovely bunch. Wow, that's awesome. So a big heart for the little ones. Did you think yes. that there was something else that was on your radar as well? Oh, yes. I had I had the opportunity a few years ago, two years ago, to take my boys through a classical civilization exam to prepare for that. And when a few other homeschool friends heard that I was on this mission, they decided that their kids should also join, which is lovely. It's always nice to have a, a big class of them. So the, the exam material covered things like stories about ancient Greece and ancient Rome. It involved the gods of the Greeks and the Romes and 
their ideas of death and burial and the afterlife and these ridiculous <laughs> myths that they were into. So it was while I was teaching, you know, I would get to a certain point where suddenly I thought to myself, okay, wait, I'm going to start the lesson by reading from the Bible. So after we had done the gods, I picked up Acts 14 and read uh, to them about Barnabas and Paul at Lystra you know that Barnabas was called Zeus and and Paul was called Hermes and and the fact that they were at the temple and what the, and you could just see in the students eyes that they had now made a new connection with the New Testament oh, wow. I think sometimes even as adults we read it and we read it and we read it and you know, we always get something out of it when we read the, the Bible, even if it is God's word. But for them to suddenly grasp that what they've been studying is relevant in a completely different way, it's informed, it's informed how they view the Bible. You know, they could have walked and talked with Paul. They could have been at the temple. If they lived at the right time, they could have walked and talked with Jesus. So it's just... I've, you know, since then I've done, you know, more reading and bits and pieces as just a hobby, but it's just been fascinating to, to be able to just think a little more deeply about the culture that Paul and the disciples and the apostles were in yeah, at that time. Well, who would have thought mm. that homeschooling about ancient Greece would actually be such a significant yes. part of your own <laughs> spiritual growth and understanding and yes. oh, that's really cool. Definitely. That's cool. Mm. classical civilization. That's awesome. What would you say is keeping you standing firm and growing as a Christian at the moment? I suppose like most people in the COVID situation, it gets lonely and frustrating. And I think as, as a mum, you tend to absorb the stress that everybody else in the house is experiencing. So just trying to, with, with trying to keep your own head above water, I suppose being disciplined about going to church, even though it's only on Zoom, being disciplined about still getting involved with various church activities, even though it's a little bit silly. So we've got a, a ladies craft Zoom meeting that meets once a month, which is just sounds silly because, you know, you want to be able to show your friends what you're doing and you want to be able to, to chat Christian things with them. But it's just it's just the best that you can do. And it's easy to just not go. But it is good as women to keep meeting and to keep talking. Um, I also, my devotions that I'm really like is a, the Don Carson for the love of God. So I, I like that one because it's, it's a bit more meaty. It keeps me growing, if not just in my lack of decent vocabulary, because he uses some big words sometimes. He really does. He does. Yeah. So, so that's good. Yes, but just just keep meeting with God's people in whichever way, shape and form and uh, with friends, you know, just still being honest with a few friends about how things are going and being able to pray for each other. Yeah, yeah. Relationships are such an integral yeah. part of being a Christian, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. We were talking about it the other day with a group of friends that just having older people in the congregation and every now and again, when you're having a bad day, you can just think about them and thank the Lord that they're in the church because they have been doing Christianity, you know, for years and they still faithfully plod on and we can do the same. Yeah. It is an encouragement. Definitely. Yay for the church. <laughs> Yay for the church. And it's not long before we're going to be in the category of the older people, if not. Really. I know. 
crazy. Do you have a favorite Bible verse that you want to share? My current, obviously, favorite Bible book is Acts because yes. it's just amazing how God uses ordinary people to reach so many cultures. I suppose also because our church is quite multicultural. So it's just perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. It's just like our church. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, it's been so super good to chat with you and to hear your stories and to know a little bit more about what you guys are doing it's just it's so exciting and i'm loving your enthusiasm it's just coming through which is awesome. <laughs> thank you yeah it's, it's been we love been chatting and catching up a little we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the lydia project we would love you to share this episode with others whether that be by word of mouth social media or leaving a review on itunes you can find us on most platforms using the handle at TLPCWCW. Music is Wholesome 7 by Dave Depper and voiceover is by me, Jennifer Mary. 